I'll probably throw to you if you have some like th- go-to things that you do for your kids. So yeah. just a heads up because okay. I was going to tell you that and then I forgot. Okay. Good morning, Facebook. Happy to be with you today. We will get started here in just a moment. Right now. The more you know about your body, the better you can take care of it. It's time to take charge of your health. Here we are, so we're going to roll with that. Broadcasting to the Thrive Life community. So we're going to kind of dive into some of those ideas today. From the ACU of Texas Studios, let's thrive. I want to empower you to make that decision. This is Thrive Life Radio with your host, Amy Robinson. Good, good morning, Thrive Life community. Today, how you can reclaim your health and vitality through topics everyone needs to know, but don't always talk about. Ooh, sound exciting? So, so glad to be with you all today. Thanks so much for joining me live from the ACU of Texas studio here on Vinyl Draft Radio. I have a great show for you today. I am welcoming my dear friend, Dr. Katherine Hansen. As always, you can listen in on VinylDraftRadio.com. Tune in, Tune in app, app, or just, or just ask, ask Alexa, Alexa to play Vinyl, Vinyl Draft, Draft Radio. Radio. Good morning, Good morning to, all to all of you listening on I-45 now. Just a reminder, just a reminder you can get the full, get the full radio, radio experience by heading, by heading over to VinylDraftRadio.com. If you are tuned in on Facebook this morning, just a reminder, we'll be showing the first segment, maybe the second segment, but usually just the first segment. And then we would love for you to get the full radio experience by heading over to VinylDraftRadio.com so you can listen to the full show. I am your host, Amy Robison, nutrition consultant and owner of My Life Delicious. And what I want to know from you today is how ready are you to make a change and take charge of your life and health? Here's Amy with this week's Five. Thrive in Five. I'm so excited to do this little segment and give you some ideas of what to do on a weekly basis that you can actually make a change right now in your life and in your health. So this week, it's all about snacks. And believe me, we're going to talk a little bit more than just a handful of almonds to curb that hunger. I know that gets a little bit boring, so we're going to give you some other options this morning. And last week, we started at breakfast. So a great way to make changes when that feels really overwhelming to think of overhauling your entire life is kind of just to start with one meal and work through that and then kind of build on that. So start with breakfast, work into snacks, then change lunches, and then change dinners. A lot of time that can be an easy way to kind of break it down. So you're not having to do this full overhaul and this kind of overwhelming trying to make all the changes at one time because I can tell you from experience and working with people, when they try to do all the things, they end up doing absolutely nothing. So one thing at a time. So last week was breakfast. So if you missed that, head on back over to that show and listen into my breakfast tips. So today I'm going to talk about snacks. So let's get some options rolling for you. So again, anytime I'm talking about your meals, my favorite mantra is fat, fiber, and protein. When you have some semblance of those um, options in those meals, whether it's a snack or a full meal, that's just going to help with blood sugar regulation. Blood sugar issues is one of the main problems I see in my practice. And again, when people hear blood sugar, they automatically go to diabetes and it's way, way more than that. It's actually a really big issue. So getting that blood sugar regulated is just going to help you feel sustained with energy through the day. You're not going to get that hangry feeling when you come to lunch. You may, if you get the kind of the shakes and the jitters, you start getting really irritable. That can be a really good sign that your blood sugar is all over the map. So having some fat fiber and protein in those snacks or meals is a great way to keep that even keel. So you're not getting those big swings and it's going to also going to help you sleep better at night. So we love that. So 
A few great options that I kind of wrote down. One of my favorite things for snacks is actually a small portion of a previous meal because it's easy. You can just pull a little portion of it, heat it up, whether that's on the stovetop, in the oven, in the microwave, and you have a snack right there. It's super simple. Nothing you have to prepare because it's literally prepared for you. Unless you're a leftover hater, I get it. Some people absolutely hate leftovers. Or if you have really bad histamine issues, you probably want, don't want to you know, reach for the leftovers first. But that's a good one because it's just easy. Another one is soup. I know that sounds really strange, but soup, you can literally take a little mug and heat it up in a mug and drink it even. There's so many great ways to use soup as a snack. I know that sounds a little bit odd. Soup is also good for breakfast, by the way. Just hint, hint. It's a great one for breakfast. That broth first thing in the morning just wakes up the digestive tract and does all kinds of wonderful things for getting you ready for the day. So I love soup in the morning. Apples and nut butter with cinnamon is great. Um, hummus with like carrot sticks or celery sticks is absolutely fantastic. Lettuce wraps. So if you've got some leftover like beans and rice or if you've got some leftover chicken, wrapping that up in some lettuce can be a great little snack for you, especially. So, and that's something you can take on the go too. Really, really easy. Nuts and seeds. Yes, of course you can do that. My favorites are probably almonds, pecans, and I love pumpkin seeds. They're just a wonderful source of um, zinc and a wonderful source of magnesium. And I absolutely love them. They're fantastic. Um, berries and whipped um, coconut cream is really good. Mm, so satisfy that sweet tooth and a nice healthy way. Um, roasted veggies, having a green smoothie, having some green tea. One of my favorites, chocolate avocado pudding. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm getting some really dirty looks from the other room on that one. It sounds really weird, but I promise you, it's <laughs> I'm getting a big thumbs down just to let y'all know. It's actually really, really good. I'm, I'm going to bring some in sometime and go blow your mind because it's actually that good. <laughs> So hard boiled eggs, guacamole and sticks, all of those things can be great. And those are things you can literally start doing right now. So instead of grabbing for that bag of potato chips, grab for some one of these other options and that's going to sustain you through the day. Whereas a bag of potato chips, although yes, it's salty goodness, is going to give you a crash within an hour or two because it's literally going to become sugar in the bloodstream. We were actually just talking about this the other night, what that does to you. So Dr. Catherine, you have kiddos. So what are some healthy snacks that you love? to kind of throw out for them. Amy, I think you hit absolutely every possible <laughs> snack on your list there. Yes. I, for one, will not be doing soup for a snack. <laughs> I have taken to a lot of soups at night where mm. I can actually use them in my slow cooker or yes. instant pot and throw in all kinds of veggies the kids can't see. My kids are actually veggie eaters, but soup would not be my favorite snack. <laughs> um, avocado chocolate pudding is fantastic. I'm going to put a plug see? in for that. We definitely need to bring that in sometime. <laughs> That just does not sound right. Sorry. <laughs> it's fabulous. Yeah. I made it with sweet potatoes before, too. It's really good. Oh, wow. Yeah. So sweet potatoes I can do. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. Good. I'm going to throw in a little bit of uh, parenting with this, too. Yes, and I'll tell that. you very, very honestly what we do in our family. We have a 13-year-old boy and a twin 11-year-old girls. And the 13-year-old boy recently wanted a phone. He's going to kill me when he listens to this. <laughs> And when he wanted the phone, he had to find a way to pay for it. One of the things that was very hard on my time schedule was doing a snack because I like to put homemade snacks in the kids' lunches mm -hmm. every day. I 
pack their lunches. And so he took over doing the snack once a week. And every weekend, he prepares a healthy snack for the family. Wow. We go through the recipe. We look at what we need. And just this morning, I was writing down the ingredients for some banana chocolate chip muffins. I don't mind putting dark chocolate chips in mm, there because absolutely. that really intrigues the kids. Yes. And I was writing down recipe or ingredients that I need to buy for some healthy dried fruit and nut granola bars. Mm. And I think the big piece here is that he's making them. So if I bring in the ingredients and he makes them, he takes ownership of it. And of course, he knows that he's going to eat it all week. Yes. So it has to be something good. He's looked up recipes for pumpkin muffins before mm-hmm. and actually pulled that together. Wow. And I'm his, impressed. I know. And sometimes he'll do a gluten-free, sugar-free type of granola cereal for the family. And uh-huh. that in bulk will last us because we don't love buying the processed mm-hmm. cereals. Yeah. So he'll do that as his snack. And the best thing that he will do that kind of he'll just pull out of the air when he doesn't have a lot of time, but he knows it's his responsibility, are no-bake energy protein balls. Mm -hmm. And he can just throw those together with some protein powder and some honey and nut butter, whichever is your favorite healthy choice for nut butter and oats. And he can throw those together in no time. We keep them in the freezer. They last forever. And my husband grabs them every chance he goes by the freezer. Yes. I love those kind of little protein balls. They are amazing. And they are so quick to put together. Literally, I mean, it's minutes. You put them all... depending on what you're using, you know, throwing them in a food processor and just pulsing it real quick and then rolling them up or just throwing them in a bowl and mixing it up and rolling it up. It is so fast and putting them in the freezer is absolutely the best idea because then they will last forever. I'm the same way. If I have them in the freezer every day, I'm like, I'm grabbing a couple, yeah. you know, especially if I'm walking out the door and I know I don't have a snack for me at the office or something like that, I'm grabbing and going. Yeah. I and I know them. when the kids grab something like that with an apple or an orange, and they often do that, they're getting a lot of what they need in that snack. So fiber and protein. Yeah, here we go. <laughs> so we have hopefully given you a ton of stuff to think about and to start incorporating into your week because snacks are, you know, they're not a necessity. Some people don't need them. They feel just fine without them. But I certainly find people with blood sugar issues where they're having a lot of slumps during the day and we're trying to get that regulated, that eating a little bit more often and having some of those healthy snacks can be really, really beneficial. I know there is some controversy as to whether, you know, the, the snacking and the five meals per day is good for blood sugar or not good for blood sugar. And I think it is an individual thing for some people. It works really well and it helps to correct that. And for other people, it's obviously not going to work so well. So it does depend on the individual. But if you're a snacker and you know that's what you do, let's just make some swaps and get you some healthier options. And sometimes when you bring in the healthier options, you, f- you find that you don't need snacks quite as often because you're getting what your body needs. Right. And just the other day, I was sitting with my kids at dinner and we were talking about a couple of their friends that bring in every single day the open package snacks. So mm-hmm. the pretzel, pretzels and the chips and the cheese pops and those things every day. And my kids already are starting to notice that they want to be bringing healthy snacks to share with those kids oh, that's because awesome. they know that what they're eating is actually going to fuel their body a whole lot better through the day. So. Oh, it's so, so true. And my husband used to be a high school um, teacher. He taught high school for six years. And when the kids would come back after lunch, it would just be like a catastrophe because they would just, they would be all over the place. And a lot of times what they were eating was hot Cheetos with um, cheese sauce and Coke. And that's what the majority of them, he said, would eat every day for lunch. And then they would, of course, just be acting like maniacs when they came back from lunch because all they did was put a bunch of junk into their body and they just couldn't function. Right. Or learn. Or learn. They have no, and they can't sit still in their seats and they can't focus and they can't concentrate because all they've done is put a bunch of junk in and they didn't give their bodies any 
anything they need to pay attention to what's going on. So, okay, so that is your Thrive in 10 today. We kind of went a little <laughs> bit over, but I think that was really good information for y'all to, you know, make some really good changes. So... We are going to be talking about some amazing things. I'm going to introduce Dr. Catherine here in a moment. And, you know, we're going to be talking about some great questions like, why are 65% of divorces after age 50 initiated by women? We'll get the answer with Dr. Hansen when we come back on Thrive Life Radio. Welcome back, Thrive Life community. Glad to be with you this morning. We had a great first segment in the Thrive in 5. We actually, it was like Thrive in 10, talking about healthy snacks and how to incorporate them into your day and make some you know, really nice swaps to get you fueled for the day, get you feeling healthy, giving you energy, keeping that blood sugar regulated so you're not getting hangry and wanting to punch a coworker or something. <laughs> we definitely don't need to be liable for anything like that. So some really good options for you of how to do that. And Dr. Catherine gave some a really good idea of how to get your kids involved. So absolutely, you know, you know, hop back over and listen to that after the show because it, I think it's some really good things to get you guys rolling on the snack side. So of course, you're probably wondering, well, who is Dr. Catherine? Because she hasn't been on before. She is a very dear friend of mine, and I'm so happy to have her on the show today. So Dr. Hansen completed her residency in obstetrics and gynecology, followed by a clinical fellowship in sexual health, including hormones and menopause, with what I love is an integrative approach to the whole body health, which I absolutely, you all know that I absolutely love that. She also completed her master's of public health from Johns Hopkins. And after 20 years of practicing medicine, she has sort of expanded beyond the wall of the office to help women rediscover that inner peace and outer joy of really reclaiming their health. And I'm really excited to talk about some of this stuff with you today. So with a passion for sharing information, she enjoys running Women to Women column in Life is Good magazine and giving very engaging presentations, which I can attest to. Some of her favorite times are spent sharing with women at intimate retreats where everyone can relax and laugh together and be themselves in this just wonderful place of community. And we're going to talk about community today. So Dr. Catherine, thank you so much for joining me today. Amy, it is my pleasure. And we have had so much fun uh, talking about women's health together that I'm really excited about what's going to come up for us today. I know. We have some really good things. If you didn't hear, you know, the clip at the beginning to kind of talking about the, the things that everyone needs to know, but people don't talk about when it comes to women's health. So we, we have some really good topics to kind of dive into with y'all today. So, you know, I am interested in, you know, after 20 years of practice and moving into this kind of whole other aspect of practice for you, you know, we're were there things that you felt were missing from that kind of day-to-day -day practice in the clinic that you really wanted to expand on? And is that kind of the reason for moving into in that direction? Hmm. So we have four hours for this today, right? We have <laughs> four to six, yes. So, yeah, it would so take, in like a three-minute yeah, clip, can you, can you give me the down low on you that? You get yeah. right into it with that question. <laughs> so there are so many things missing from a conventional medical practice. And you, I'm sure, are aware we are constantly trying to see patients see them in a very fulfilling way, answer and solve a lot of problems and get them out the door because of the way the healthcare right. system in is built. In 15 minutes or less. In 15 minutes or less, <laughs> usually less. Yes. So there was a lot missing in that approach and I found it exceptionally frustrating mm -hmm. to be seeing women in the office who were feeling really isolated and alone in their problems, not realizing everyone else was coming in the next 15 minutes, the next 15 minutes with a lot of the same issues. Mm -hmm. And I was really 
feeling inadequate in my ability to manage and to help and to support in an ongoing way the care that they really needed in their lives. And so that's why I've expanded my approach and uh, allowing women to have more time and more resources and more access to the things that they need and also to other women to help support their journey. Absolutely. I, I completely understand that even as a clinician now and as a, a previous you know patient, you know, going to see doctors and having all these weird things going on and kind of being, you know, like pushed from doctor to doctor and no one being able to take the time because of the way the system is set up there. They have 10 minutes with me. So to tell them all of these things I have going on and they just kind of look at me like, well, let's just try this, you know, here's this thing or I'm going to send you off to this doctor. And they just, yeah. And it does feel really isolating. I'm kind of glad you brought that up because it does feel like you're kind of on your own. Right. And I, and you know, I want to emphasize, I think it's important, like you've been very gracious, you know, doctors are not evil people. They yeah. are really uh, trained and they their intent is to really sink in and help people in their health and their well-being and their life in every aspect. Yeah. They just don't have the structure, the infrastructure to be able to do that. And so there's an area that conventional medicine is absolutely essential. Mm -hmm. And then there's an area where a prescription of surgery and implantable device is not the answer. Right. And so to try and come to a conclusion that's going to really up-level your health takes more time than a medical visit and hopefully that's what we're offering women. Yes, absolutely. And I I I think that's such an important you know, thing to say that we don't want to dismiss the conventional medical system because there are such critical things about it. What we want to do, and we talk about this on the show, is bridge the gap. So where they, you know, where they're not able to give that support, you know, that longer term support, that's where we want to come in and provide that. So they're doing the medical side and then we're providing the kind of sustainable support that the people are really craving, especially women are really craving that. Absolutely. And it's what they need. And they're looking for something to be answering their questions, but it's really their ability to sink into that type of a format mm -hmm. and then pull what they need from, you know, their own internal questions and, yes. and their own yearnings about what it is that would help fill that gap. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, as your, you know, your practice, you know, has gone on, what is, what are some of the number one things that you saw in your practice that women were coming to you saying, these are my concerns? Mm -hmm. And still see every clinic day. Yeah. Um, women are exhausted. Mm -hmm. They are emotionally bankrupt and they're, you know, in a nutshell, missing their life. Yeah. They're missing those memory making moments of their life and they're very saddened by that. They're just, they're trying to cope with everything, be everything to everybody. They're trying to, to fulfill all those roles and wear all those hats. Yes. Uh, no time for themselves. Mm -hmm. And in the process, their health suffers. So mm -hmm. they come in with weight issues, with hormone issues, with chronic pain. Uh, I see in my practice, my subspecialty is menopause and sexual health. I see a lot of libido issues decrease libido. And I see a lot of the libido impacting in a ripple effect, the family dynamic. So not just the marriage, but also the parenting and the whole uh, bonding and relationship of the family. And all of that comes into the office in some shape or form every day in clinic. That's so interesting. So I, cause you don't usually think about, <clears throat> excuse me, the, the libido having a ripple effect on the whole family. So what kind of things are going on there that it would actually affect, you know, children and others? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, we're getting all this like, Hey, what's up out in the, 
<laughs> I guess You're this describing is describing my life. Right am now. I describing yeah. your life? This is resonating. This is resonating. Yes. I love it. I love it. Thank you for the feedback. <laughs> yes. No, it's important feedback. Yeah. And it is, it's, it's something that when a woman finds the strength to come into the office to actually talk about, that's the start. Yeah. But it's often the, the niter or the low point for her as well. And, and most of the time, I would say, almost all of the time, that visit in my office as the gynecologist is initiated by a breakdown in her family mm. and a breakdown in, in her marriage or her relationship dynamic. So often her husband will be encouraging her to come in because as as I've ta- as I talk about with women, libido is a barometer mm-hmm. of what's going on in the relationship. So sex drive is really a barometer of how that relationship is functioning in many ways. What's the chicken? What's the egg? It doesn't really right. matter. Right. The breakdown is occurring. And we know actually from really good science that when uh, a marriage is healthy and happy, all the other health outcomes, if we're looking at physical health, fall into place much better. So there's higher, there's higher physical health, there's higher health satisfaction, there's higher physical outcomes that we can actually measure mm. for both couples. So we know that physical health is impacted by that lack of an intimate, bonded, healthy we'll say marital or, or couple relationship. And we also know that when children come from a deeply bonded, healthy couple relationship, that they do better in school, that Absolutely. they have better health outcomes, that they have better IQ scores. I mean, all of those things that we can actually measure and so many things that we yet in science can't measure. Yeah. And so when I see women, you know, it breaks my heart that they're looking for a way to heal that and that when... We find a way to heal that, not if, but mm-hmm. when we find a way to heal that, the ripple effect of the benefit of that, it goes out into not just their their own personal life and their ability to up-level professionally and personally, but also in their marriage, in their ability to be a supportive spouse, in their ability to parent, in their conscious parenting, mm-hmm. in every single role of their life. And so I, people ask me all the time, why do you do what you do? I mean, just digging in into the libido, for example, opens up and, and, you know, literally blossoms every other aspect of a woman's life. So that's why that core piece is, has become uh, such, such a vital starting point mm-hmm. in my work with women. Yeah, that's so interesting because you usually kind of, I've, I don't think I've ever heard someone explain like the ramifications of, you know, that the issues with libido in that way. It's very interesting to me, even in, you know, my study and practice, I've never heard it explained that way because it's almost kind of like you see it as a symptom, you know, and so you're thinking about it as a symptom as opposed to, like you said, that barometer and what does that actually mean, you know, as far as the health of the person goes. And I know um, before we came in today, we were kind of talking about, um, you know, when children are leaving the house, you know, the empty nest comes in and the effects of neurotransmitters and oxytocin on the on the woman's body because there's not that, you know, there's not that um, touch and, and that kind of relationship with the child anymore. Can you talk about that a little bit? Because that was very interesting to me. Mm-hmm. So a lot of that work comes from Lou Brizendine, The Female Brain. It's a marvelous book to read. Mm-hmm. And, I'm writing it down. Yeah. <laughs> and so at that stage of life where there's no longer, you know, children hanging on women or, or breastfeeding or necessarily needing or having that physical contact with children, there isn't that release of oxytocin and let's say estrogen around mm-hmm. the midlife. It doesn't have to be menopause, but in that time frame. And the children don't need that physical affection anymore. Right. Fortunately, my 
still do, but they're very close to <laughs> not. Close to it, yeah. And so there isn't that the release of those oxytocin being a nurturing hormone. Mm-hmm. And so if there isn't the same level of oxytocin, there isn't the same level of estrogen, just naturally, physiologically, the woman doesn't need that physical affection. And she isn't physiologically encouraged within her body to nurture as much. Mm, and so it really, in in a lot of ways, it, it allows her to kind of withdraw from that role. It protects mm-hmm. her from not being quite so shaken by mm-hmm. the loss of physical affection from her little ones, mm-hmm. that role of mother, um, which is often a difficult transition for women. Uh, but it also, on the bright side, and I always try and allow, uh, you know, allow women to see into the positive of the transition mm-hmm. and the renewal and the new phase, and it allows her the independence to start looking after herself mm-hmm. and to start uh, assessing what her own needs are and to figure out where she belongs and where her passion and purpose is leading her. And assuming she sinks into that, really growing that area of her life that hasn't been able to grow until that point. Yeah. I think it's such an important thing, again, for you to talk about the positive aspect of moving into that phase, because usually when we're talking about empty nests and going into menopause, there is such an underlying negative feeling about that, that it's just this horrible time and you're going to have all of these problems. And it's not that you may not have some issues, you know, going into that because it is a very big change and it can be a bit traumatic. Um, But at the same time, like you said, it's this wonderful opportunity to go into this next phase and kind of find yourself and take on a new role. Yeah, it's just, it's just, it's really, really important to talk about the positive aspect of that. And I know that our listeners and some of our uh, listeners here as well are looking for some of the, you know, the positive side on mm-hmm. the libido side and on the sex side. And so for women, even though they're not craving that physical affection mm-hmm. of their children and they're not sitting in that role, there is a new, there is a way to reinvent and recreate their sex life. And And to take it from the place that the woman is now more independent, Mm -hmm. she's now... Um, more uh, autonomous, mm-hmm. she's, a, she's more empowered. And if there's the investment in that relationship that has kind of become bored and transitioning, if there's an investment in that relationship, then, then the creativity around the sexual side can be far better than it ever was in the relationship before. Mm, so so I hope you all are ready to find out how to have some creativity in your sex life and reignite that area of your life. We're going to find out how with Dr. Hansen, Dr. Hansen when we come right back. Welcome back, Thrive Life community. Glad to be with you today. Thank you for joining me this morning. We are having an amazing conversation with my guest and dear friend, Dr. Katherine Hansen. And we are talking about, if you missed the last segment, how as you're going through the aging process and you know, you've got shifts and transitions in your life and how your libido is actually a very amazing sign and barometer of the health in your overall life, but also in the health and relationships that are around you and kind of how to reinvigorate that as things change, as you're an empty nester, you know, as the kids are growing up and they don't need that um, physical touch and physical attention anymore and how the body kind of, you know, makes those transitions, like you said, so it's not as much of a shock. But then, you know, if you're not, you know, reinvigorating that on the other side, kind of what happens? So how do we start to do that reinvigoration? I know something you said is, you know, something 
things and what's important to heal that relationship and get that kind of, you know, reignited again. Absolutely. And I'll just sort of backtrack that when I explain to women who come in with a concern about their sex drive or their libido or not wanting to want it, Mm -hmm. that there's really two times when we can expect as women that sort of physiologic, I need this. Mm -hmm. And it's when we first meet a partner because of the hormonal overload, we say we're, you know, love is blind. And that's really true. The critical thinking parts of our brain are shut down down. (laughs) and the euphoric (laughs) parts of our brain that are, you know, literally stimulated by things like recreational drugs become, become more stimulated. And so that's at the beginning of a relationship. And It truly doesn't matter when that is. I've had 80-year-old women come into the office absolutely on fire with their new sexual partners. Yeah, it's it's amazing. So it's not necessarily age-related. And the other time that this can happen is in the early, you know, late teens, early 20s, like when the hormones are just starting to rage. And so when women come in and we're talking about aging and staging, you know, it can even be in 30s for women or 40s for women, you know, and 50s when we start to have a lot of the hormonal menopausal Mm -hmm. changes and certainly that exacerbates it. But I don't want women to think they're abnormal if they're sitting in, you know, a 5, 10, 15 year relationship, but they're young and they're not menopausal. Libido can happen, you know, libido issues can happen at any time and the the on fire times are in the you know age wise and also with new relationships and we're mm-hmm. not going to be trading in our partners and getting into <laughs> brand new relationships so we need to be creative in the ways that we manage what sort of be, seems to be a falling off in sex drive mm. as uh, as we notice that that's an issue and so women aren't broken they come in a lot of the time yes. saying I'm broken yes. and they're really not broken this is sort of a normal part of what happens over time in a relationship and then exacerbated sometimes by hormones. So Rosemary Basson actually readapted the sex cycle. So Masters and Johnson in the 60s, I'm sure they had tons of fun in their lab doing their sex <laughs> studies, showed us that there was sort of a linear response to sex, desire, drive, arousal, orgasm, if we're lucky, a couple, and then resolution where we talk about the next big family vacation. <laughs> and Rosemary Basson yeah. has drawn a much more complicated, and I'd love to give this presentation sometime Ooh, with visuals. Yes, Awesome. And a much more complicated, you know, women don't have to come into the sex cycle from a place of physiologic spontaneous drive. In mm-hmm. fact, most of the time, they've got things on their brain that are overriding anything to do with having, you know, a relaxing experience of sex. They mm-hmm. see sex as, oh my gosh, there's another thing on my to-do list. Yes. I've got yeah. the dishwasher. I've got the groceries. So much. Yes. I've got so much going on. And then their husband approaches them and they're like, wait a second, you're not on the list. This isn't going to fit in my day <laughs> I today. schedule you in. Yeah. So. Yeah. We're going to have to take a rain check and can we look at next week? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> but most of those women are essentially normal in how they respond. So once they're able to put him on the list and the female brain has to be shut off mm. in order to be turned on. Interesting. So there has to be sense. a way to turn that the neurotransmitter, the anxiety and the worry mm-hmm. center and all those things going on with who's picking up the kids and did we feed the dog? All of that has to be shut down before a woman can 
respond sexually. Mm-hmm. And so once she's able to respond sexually, most of the time the women the women that I that I talk to have a normal body. They enjoy the experience. They get aroused. Orgasm is normally a very very positive experience. Not essential, but it's mm-hmm. a normal positive experience. And then they relax. And I had a really good friend say one time that he said he said to his wife why don't you put a post-it note around reminding yourself how much you enjoyed that? <laughs> because you forget yeah. the next time I approach you. Mm-hmm. And it's it's just very common. Doesn't mean we have to put up with it. Certainly, we need to be dialoguing about this. Mm-hmm. But it's a very common response for women to have and for relationships to fall into that kind of a pattern. So put it on the calendar. Yes. Absolutely. I mean, you hear people talk about scheduling it. It seems like, well, that just seems really kind of cold and not very intimate. But when you put it in perspective of the women's brain, and I know my brain is always like thinking about the next 500 things that need to be done. So that makes so much sense in just the way that we think and that there has to be a literal transition in shutting the brain off so that the body can be present. Yes. Yeah. And when you say transition... There's a bit of foreplay that has to happen too, which over the years has not necessarily become part of the pattern because it didn't yeah. need to be. Right. And now I talk to women a lot about, well, what what is foreplay? Is it an elbow in the arm or is it more like I did the dishes every night for a month and I'm really trying hard to help you around the house? And so this is the kind of thing that makes the relationship more of a back and forth. Everybody starts speaking each other's love language. And I really mean a back and forth. It it is an open dialogue. And it's remarkable to me the number of women that are really not able to breach that conversation Mm -hmm. with their partner. And that that's, I mean, the first step is knowing that they need to. Right. And the second step is actually opening the dialogue. And sometimes a third party is needed for that. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's just a matter of saying, hey, let's let's get back to basics and start having a, a ton more fun than we're having now. Yeah. And I think, I think the point about having the conversation about it and opening up the dialogue, because we're kind of taught that that's not suppo- something you're supposed to talk about, you know, but everybody needs to be talking about. And just the act of the communication aspect, how much healing can happen there and realizing, you know, what the other people, what the other person needs and getting on the same page and, you know, starting to reignite those fires in the relationship. I think that's huge. Absolutely. Yeah. And so, and, and so what you, one of the things that you had put into the notes for me is why are 65% of divorces after age 50 initiated by women? Is this part of that aspect of it, that there's just not that dialogue and communication to reignite as you transition into a whole other aspect of your life? Yeah. It's the hormones that we talked about. Mm-hmm. And it's the fact that the woman is finally looking after her own needs yes. and she's been looking after everyone's needs for so long that she's feeling free and liberated. <laughs> And okay, what do I need? And maybe I'm going to stop doing everything for everybody. And if there's been a divide in the relationship at that stage for so long, it's very hard to bridge that gap. And very often the pattern has been that they haven't needed to um, to actually meet each other where they are over the time that they've been raising kids and busy with their career progression and busy with their own lives. And if and if if there's difficulty bridging that gap, 
unfortunately, a lot of times the woman will just realize this is not working for me anymore. And right. she's now more fiercely independent and empowered to be able to make those decisions. And sometimes, sadly, we we never advocate for this. We always think holding a relationship together should be the first priority. But sometimes she will come to the decision that that is the better way to go. Ha after, and, and with my work, after exhausting all the right. other possible right. outcomes. Yeah. Yeah, going through all the steps to see is it possible to get back there? Yeah, you know, because like you said, that's that's obviously the the ultimate outcome is that it's possible to get back there, and you can reignite that and just continue to move forward. Yeah, and, you know, but sometimes the sometimes the answer is that it just can't. Yeah, yeah. And I want to just be clear that that's a statistic sort of from the general population. Mm -hmm. In the work that I do with women, I would say very very rarely does the relationship break down because they've identified they need help. Yeah. They've reached out for help, which is the other big key message today yes. is that women need to be willing and able to put themselves in a vulnerable enough position that they say, I need help. Mm -hmm. And where can I garner those resources in order to get life back on track? Yep. And we don't like to do that because we're so used to taking care of all the things that we don't reach out for help. We just continue to do all the things until we get to the breaking point and the health is broken down, the relationships are broken down. And like you said, when someone comes into your office and they're having the issues with the libido, usually they're at kind of a bottom point and they're like, okay, I, I finally have to reach out. And what we definitely want to reiterate to is if these things are starting to crop up, but not a major problem, that is the time to start reaching out into your community and finding someone to help you. Don't wait. It's okay to not wait. Absolutely. Yeah. We have we, we talked about this at our uh, Empowered Women's Circle event recently, that women have been socialized to believe that it's a weakness yes. to reach out for help. And so, yes, they've been managing everything, but they also feel like it would be a failure mm -hmm. to say, I can't do this alone. And w the big message for for us to make sure women are hearing as 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 healers is that joining forces with other people with other women with professionals with really credible help is a an important peace and to know that that's not a weakness, that's not a failure. In fact, that's your first step towards success yeah. and incredible reinvigoration of who you are as a woman and, and reignite the flame of your relationship and bolster the support that you're able to provide for your loved ones and your family. Yeah, absolutely. Having that community support is just, it's really a critical component. And we have been so isolated as women, you know, taking care of the family and doing, you know, the things that we do need to do on a daily basis, but we don't come together and support each other. And there is even kind of an aspect of we're supposed to be in competition with one another. And there are some ancestral and biological reasons, you know, that that has happened throughout, you know, history. However, you know, we're at a time when we really need to be coming together in support and in community and lifting each other up and supporting us to be, you know, the empowered women that we are. It's so important. It's the only way moving forward that we're going to reach our individual personal potential, that we're going to be able to elevate and be the best 
supportive parents if we have children or the best professional if we're in careers, the best entrepreneurs if we're launching businesses. It's the only way to be the best that we can be in our various roles is to do it in conjunction with others. That's how we step into our greatness. Yes, absolutely. The the idea of the community, and you know I talk about this all the time as well as our stress. <laughs> so it's another one of those things that we just kind of have to always be reiterating the importance of the community and the, you know, the data and actual statistics of the health benefits of having a supportive community. This isn't just us talking about some woo-woo stuff here. There is scientific data about the importance of that. So I want you to hold that thought. If you're looking for community and saying, this is what I need, this is what I've been searching for, when we come back with Dr. Dr. Catherine, we are going to give you some ideas for that. So hang with me. Welcome back, Thrive Life community. Glad to be with you this morning. We have had a, an amazing show today. So if you have missed it, we have talked about first of all, healthy snacks in your um, Thrive and Five this morning. And then we are discussing relationships, sexual health, you know, women in their transition time and how to have a healthy libido and it's okay to talk about it. And um, we want you to, you know, be discussing this and reaching out when you need help and, you know, working on building that community. And so we kind of ended the last segment on talking about community. So I want to go into that because we've discussed all of these things now and it's like, okay, well, that's all great, but I need the support and where can I find that? So I want to talk about Empowered Women's Group. Absolutely. It's so important. Absolutely. So it, 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 you know, we, I started sort of mentioning uh, why I've expanded beyond the office walls. And there yeah. are multiple ways that I have done that. And we're, we'll guide people to how to kind of look that up if they want to later. We don't want to leave anybody hanging. Um, but it absolutely breaks my heart to see a woman coming in at that low point in her life and feeling like she's the only one. Yeah. And there were times in I would sit in the office with somebody and I would feel like I want to just, uh, I just want to pull everybody from the waiting room in to have this conversation because I know that every one of them is going to be having this issue. And then when I would do my work with women and they would come out the other side feeling more productive and more alive and more vital and more fulfilled, I would want to take those women out so that they could speak to the waiting mm -hmm. room yeah. because I would want them to be able to speak into the hearts with their story about how they came out the other side with guidance, with mentorship, with resources, but how they did it so that other women would know it was possible, so that they would know that there was a really good reason to step into asking for help mm -hmm. when, and when it's not a sign of weakness, it's actually going to get you through the fog. Right. And so the, all of that has birthed multiple programs. And the thing that I am most proud of that we've been doing over the last year is meeting in circle with other women. And it's called the Empowered Women's Circle. And a Essentially, when, when a woman is feeling that low and that down and that alone, I encourage her to reach out to friends, to uh, mentors, and to a community like we have developed. If, our, if ours resonates, fantastic. If not, another community. But to be really cautious about reaching out to a community that is inclusive, that is non-judgmental, that is accepting. It's not another one of these communities that says you have to look a certain way mm -hmm. or be a certain way yes. or weigh a certain amount, but a community that really takes you as you are and that you can step into life with like-minded, health-conscious women who are awakening to their own potential, who are really ready to wrap their arms around you and support. Yeah. And one of the things I have really loved about being a part of this group for, you know, the past, I guess, oh my gosh, like 
eight or nine months now. It's so yeah. exciting. So the past so many months and going to, especially the live events where these women are coming in and watching, especially the women who've come to month to month, watching the changes and even watching them, you know, if they were kind of quiet and timid at the beginning of speaking, you know, speaking out, if we you know we're having a group discussion and now they're just ready to talk and they have stepped into that. It's so, it's just exhilarating. It's such an amazing feeling to watch that progression for somebody. Yes. And it's such a comfortable place to be and there's never a requirement to, to speak or say a word yeah. but you're right women they really kind of take down the shells and the barriers and they start asking questions mm-hmm. and then they realize that the lady across the room has had the same problem yes. so they can say <laughs> oh me too yeah. I've had that problem and this is what I've done and I'm so glad to hear that maybe I, I could you know we could help each other in this and just this morning I had an email from someone who came to our last event and it was her first time coming and she wrote how much she absolutely loved it and would be coming back every time oh, so we're getting so that exciting. from the newcomers <laughs> and then the other people who are really yeah. um, developing their role in the group and mm-hmm. it's just it's been such a positive experience it really has been and just seeing these women as they come together and supporting each other and getting to know each other and you know like you said kind of breaking the walls down where we can be in community with with each other instead of in competition and really find a way to support the wonderful uniqueness of each woman and bring that out of them it's it's I think that's one of the coolest things is almost like watching stuff just being brought to the surface that is you can see it there but they can't see it themselves and Mm. as the light bulb comes on where they're seeing them for themselves maybe the first time the the gifts that they have to bring and then they start stepping into that mm-hmm. it's so cool <laughs> and that's why I mentioned you know caution around which community you d- decide to align with because historically as women we come together over um, our troubles and our challenges and weaknesses and absolutely those are part of who we are and those need to be discussed and and um, developed but it needs to be in community where we focus on the areas that we do have control. We don't brush under the carpet anything, but we focus on the areas where we can actually make positive changes in our life. So I've been doing work with Claire Zamet, a PhD on some transformational facilitation work. And so in being able to guide that process with some of the women where we have as our default to fall into victimization mm-hmm. and fall into looking externally for answers and thinking that life is is happening to us and the work that we're able to do within our empowered women's circle we step into health in new ways but we also step into where we source our identity mm-hmm. in new ways such that we're coming from that place of power and that place of of um, really expanding on where we have some control because we're never going to make progress as women, individual women or women as a whole, if we focus on the areas where we don't have control and we can't change. We are going to make incredible strides healing not just our own lives, but our families and our communities and the world if we really focus on the areas where we do have the ability to up-level mm-hmm. and to bring our best and to be solution-oriented and to empower other women 
women as well. Yes. Yes. Uh, yes to everything. <laughs> yes. 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 I know we get so excited about it because well, we're having this talk. So yes. 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 yes we can all do the uh, when Harry met when Sally. Harry thing. Met Sally. <laughs> that was awesome. <laughs> that was a perfect. <laughs> that was the perfect little segue. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> so yes, we want you know we want to just throw out to all of you who are listening today if this is resonating with you and tell you with our group and again you know if our group doesn't resonate with you if another one does you know reach out get involved but um, please tell our listeners how they can get involved with the Empowered Women's Circle Absolutely. So the Empowered Women's Circle currently is housed on my website as a separate tab. So go to drkatherinehansen.com and we'll spell that out for them at some point, yes. right? Because Catherine can be spelled different <laughs> ways, but it's Catherine with, C, with a C, Hansen with an E-N, drkatherinehansen.com. And along the, tab, along the top are all the tabs and there's an Empowered Women's tab. And we house there the way to register so that you get the regular emails and the weekly videos, which we do weekly virtually sessions for people who want to just tune in from their home and then the monthly live events and all the information is there. Yes. So go check that out. Again, drkatherinehansen.com. I'll make sure that that gets posted for you so you know exactly how to get there. Catherine, thank you so much for joining me today. This was a wonderful conversation. I cannot wait to have you back and I can't wait for some of our listeners to join us, join us live next month. So thank you so much. Thanks, Amy. I've had fun. <laughs> <laughs>